0: My name is Philip, and I want to welcome you again to this 633 Bible teaching series called One Big Story. I've said it before, but it's the story of God, it's the story of His book, the Bible, but there are so many other stories as well. And what I'm looking to do in this series is unpack the great overarching themes of this story, this Bible. Story to give a a bird's eye view of a library of 66 different books with perspectives on a whole mix of history and poetry of wise words and prophetic declarations of songs and of letters of strange foretellings, straightforward invitations to life as only God knows it. So join with me as we move into episode two. of God to be the author of the Bible, and Christians do, then he's also its main character, its key character, of course. So does that make the Bible God's autobiography? He's written it himself, after all. Well, it's a lot more than simply his autobiography. It's a, it's a great resource for our lives, your life and my life as well. Apostle Paul writes these words to a young man called Timothy and he reminds him all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, 2 Timothy 3.16. Now certainly, just like God first spoke into creation in Genesis chapter 1, we read about that. So in a very real sense, God breathed his words into people's lives into their hearts and minds, who then wrote down what we today call the Bible. Those people, of course, weren't writing simply robotically, it wasn't automatic writing. Their personalities shined through all of their writings. But nevertheless, it remains God's Word. So I want to encourage you through this series to read the Bible. To start if you haven't started yet and to, or to refresh your reading if you're already a reader of the, and a studier of the Bible. There is always more to discover. Of course, whatever happens through God's great story, there are many other people involved as well and whole lifetimes of experiences that people go through and many of those people's lives we will discover as we read through the Bible and we'll mention many of them as we go through ourselves in this series. So watch as you read the Bible, watch how God remains the key character who interacts with people. He guides them through the challenges of life, he draws them close to himself if they'll respond to him and he rebukes people who turn from him. And judges those who sin against him. And yet, we discover he loves them all. And he longs for a relationship with them. So, first of all, let's consider just how God is first defined in his book. And we're going to look at two books. One in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. From the Old Testament first. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. Moses said to God. So the context Is the people of Israel, in Egypt, in slavery. Moses has been born, he's grown up, and he's been called by God to go to Pharaoh with that famous message, let my people go. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am is a really important expression in the Bible. I am who I am. It could be I will be who I will be. The issue here is that God is the I am. He is the self-existent one. He is Yahweh, that's translated or transliterated into English as Jehovah many times. Or in our Bibles so much we find the word Lord sometimes in capital letters. Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, Lord. That's a translation and interpretation of this name that God gives himself, I am. So whatever version you use, you look out, particularly in the Old Testament, you look out for those words and you understand that what's being said there carefully, because the Jews were very careful about how they use God's word. They're talking about the I am, the one who has always existed, the one who exists within himself and has everything that he needs for the whole of life and eternity. In the New Testament, in John's letter, we read this. In 1 John 4 and verse 8, we read this. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And so we know, he goes on in verse 16 of the same chapter, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. God is love. I am God is love I am the God who is love God is showing us this in these these words in these in these verses you see I am means amongst other things that he is fully involved in his creation fully involved in his world fully involved in the lives of the people he created and the God who is love means that his primary attitude towards those people and towards that creation, and everything, in fact, that he has created, his attitude is a loving one. He has a loving attitude towards you and me today. Whatever position we're in, whatever state we're in, whether we're close to God or whether we're far, far away from him, he loves us. So whatever we read in the Bible we must read with these two key thoughts actively in our minds. That God is the I am, the self-existent one, and that he is love. Now, question, am I being too selective just using these two verses? Is there more to it? Yes, of course there is more to it. But I don't think I'm being too selective when I say that God's primary attitude towards us is one of love. He has many other things, as we shall discuss in a moment, But uh, and we won't discuss them all, but we'll discuss some of them. But we read in the Psalms many times about the steadfast love or the loving kindness of the Lord, the steadfast love that never ceases, we read. We read in Jeremiah, one of the prophets, I've loved you, God says, with an everlasting love. See, wherever you read in the Bible you discover God loves. Look in in the the history books like Samuel, for example, and you discover that God loved David. And, And so God is love. I am the God who is love. Yes, there are many other aspects to God's dealings with his people, but he's always amongst them. And his desire is to express his love to them and to do them good. Listen to, again, God speaking to Moses in Exodus 34. He passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, that's Yahweh, the I am. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. So now, let's go further. Anyone who's read the Bible knows that there are other things that we need to consider. For example, the idea that God is the judge. The idea that he's even referred to as expressing anger. God gets angry. But being God, he doesn't stop being involved, close to people, nor does he lose his love for people, even when he's angry or acting as judge. And why is that? Because he's righteous. Listen to Psalm 119. Your righteousness is everlasting and your law is true. Jeremiah 9. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. How interesting it is that here he exercises kindness as well as justice and righteousness all at the same time. Just as in any fair justice system, there are two aspects to God's judgment. God as judge pronounces sentence on those who sin, and you read through the Bible, you read through uh, even the Exodus, Numbers uh, and Deuteronomy books, for example, and you find God rebukes his people, gets he expresses anger over their sin, he pronounces judgment on their sin, look in judges, look in uh, so many of the other history books as well, and, and in the prophets too, we discover God who is the judge, pronouncing judgment on sin. But also as judge, he looks to ensure that those who are vulnerable, oppressed, those who are abused and downtrodden, get the justice that they deserve two aspects to God as judge. And when both of these are done with fairness, with equity, another Bible word, when they're done with righteousness, they're also done with kindness and with love. Listen to the Bible again on God as judge in Psalm 96. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. We're called upon to rejoice because God is judge. And we understand as we read through the Bible, we discover this God who is judge. Who will do so in righteousness, will do so in faithfulness, faithful to the people that he is called to belong to himself. And that's all people. He wants all people to belong to himself. The tragedy is that not everybody will accept that call. Not everybody will accept that invitation. But that's his call. But there comes a time when judgment must happen. You see, God has the authority to judge because he's the creator of all things. But because he loves his creation, as we've said before, His judgments are tempered with love and and he provides a route to escape judgment. He always provides a route to escape judgment. You see, love is God's first and also his final word to his creation, to his people, to us, to you and me. It's his nature to love. He is love. God is love, John said. Judgment is a required attribute of God because of the presence of sin. It has to be judged. Otherwise, there's no remedy. Otherwise, there is no justice in the world. And we hate it when there's no justice in the world. Especially for those who are downtrodden. Especially for those who are victims. We need a judge. and God is a judge. But God is also love. When we look at the New Testament message about God's ultimate provision for sin through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we find a people who had come to the conclusion that God's requirements of holiness and purity were so high that they were unattainable. Listen to Jesus speaking to his disciples in Matthew 19. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, It's hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. It may be difficult for some people to come to God. It may be difficult. There may be all sorts of things that are holding people back. But with God, all things are possible. A surrender to God, an acknowledgement of our need of God, will mean he gets involved with our lives and brings us to that place where we know our sin is forgiven, where we know that we're put right with God and back into relationship with him. See, Jesus, as he speaks about God, his father, recognised that God was all-powerful, just as the Old Testament had portrayed him to be. And, and he applies God's power to the major situation that people face. And that is the need to be saved by God from the effects, the consequences, and the power of sin and death. So that we can receive the full life that God had always intended, from the beginning, was to be ours. A life lived in the fullness of his love. A life lived eternally in his presence. That is God's desire for people. And as we draw to a close, just thinking of these, just these few aspects about God, that he is the self-existent one, he is eternal, that he is love, and that he is judge, but a righteous and a faithful and a kind and a loving judge. We discover that from the beginning, God knew that the death of Jesus would be required. He is, after all, all all-knowing. He is omniscient. Listen to Isaiah 46. I make known the end from the beginning. From ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand. And I will do all that I please. We perhaps hear those words, I will do all that I please. Some versions put it like this, God will do everything that he wants to do. And the problem that we would have with that is, is if we have a fickle God. But we don't, we have a faithful God. And he says my purpose will stand. What is that purpose? Is to have a people for himself, holy and pure and righteous Because God is holy, pure, and righteous, and he loves us. He loves people. God's purpose from the beginning was to have a relationship with the likes of you and me. To love us, to be present with us, and for us to be with him forever. And when Adam and Eve rebelled, God had to find a new way to make it happen. But actually, he had planned for this eventuality before the creation of the world, the New Testament tells us. And that's another part of the one big story that we'll look at in future episodes. So, throughout this one big story, we see the God who is present, always present, always active, loving, righteous, faithful, kind, just. That's the picture of God that we get in his book, wherever you look. You'll find some aspect of those attributes, those characteristics that I've listed there. And of course, God's almighty acts, the outworking of the fact that he knows everything. He is omniscient. God's judgments are all enacted in the context of all of these other attributes. He judges whilst he is present. He doesn't remove himself from pain and the suffering and the sin of his people. He, he, he judges whilst loving. He judges righteously and fairly. He judges faithfully because he's faithful to us and wants to bring us out from where we are into the fullness that he has for us. And this is the picture of God that we get throughout the Bible. And to understand the one big story of God we have to get that shown to us. We have to see this kind of God in the Scriptures. And, and the, the snippets that we get of different characters, the people through the Bible, all with their issues in their lives and their struggles and their pain, but we see in all of that who he is for them. Just what they need him to be in the moment. That is our God. And today... Today, if you receive him into your life, or if you receive him afresh into your heart and life, he will be to you all that you need in every situation that you face in life. The good, the bad, the happy, the sad. He will be the God you need because he is all of these things. He's love. He's the present God, the ever-present God, the loving God, the kind, generous Righteous, fair, faithful, consistent, present God. So let's invite him afresh to be the God that he needs to be for us, for you and for me today. Let's pray together. Oh, Father God, we, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the pictures that we get of you in the scriptures. We thank you for the way we see you interacting with the people of the, of the Bible How you are constantly loving them and drawing them to yourself, even when they sin. How, even when you judge people, even when you have to rebuke people, you do it because you want them to turn back to you. Father God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your kindness that draws us close. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your righteousness and your desire to grant to us your righteousness for our lives too. Father, we thank you for this wonderful picture that your book, the Bible, gives us of who you are. From the very beginning of the book, right to the end. From Genesis to Revelation, remembering you are the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, always, always with us to bless us. Thank you, Father. May we know you more. May we draw closer to you in our lives. And may we experience all of your goodness working itself out in our lives, in our thinking, in our hearts, in our emotions, in our living, in our speaking, in the way that we behave, in all that we are. Father God, be very present, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for so much for joining me on this episode of One Big Story. The next episode will be available on the 1st of next month when our theme will be people. We'll be looking at some of the people of the Bible, a different characters. Not all of them are too many. It's a cast of thousands. But we're going to look at some people next time and discover just who they were and the lives that they lived and and how they got to know God. Remember, you can connect with me on 633.co.uk. You can register there for email updates whenever an episode goes live. Or you can like... And follow on Facebook or Twitter. You can subscribe to the video on YouTube. All the information is coming on the next screen if you're watching the video or is in the description if you're listening to an audio podcast. Uh, and from me, Philip, do stay in Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else you need will be added into your life when you need it. So this is Philip. God bless you. Until next time, I say goodbye. Look forward to seeing you again.